I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And, and ultimately, you know, we, t- we talk about on the, on the podcast, on this show, <clears throat> improving the way that we show up for others. Because I think that is a core desire of most people. We want to elevate our own experience and improve the way we show up for others. Well, if I want to improve the way I show up for others, I'm going to have to have this this check on, excuse me, on my own authenticity, right? Like, how am I showing up for others? How am I showing up for myself? How am I showing up for others? It's a. Can I? Can you you just brought up a great point? Welcome to Self Helpful. I'm your guide, Kevin Miller, and I curate the sea of new personal development messages to bring the most influential leaders onto this show. Join me as I question my guests to better understand their counsel so we can all integrate the wisdom into our lives because we all want to elevate our own experience and improve the way we show up for others. The Self-Helpful Podcast is presented by Ziggler, your premier source for equipping coaches. Visit Ziggler.com. Hello, Self-Helpful listeners. In this episode, how to show up as the authentic you first for yourself and then for others. This is part three of my series on Christina Mond Lacchiani, co-founder of Mind Valley and author of Becoming Flossom, the key to living an imperfectly authentic life. This is my discussion episode and I brought back my brother, Jared Angaza, as I know him to be someone who has fervently pursued the discovery and continual alignment with his authentic self. The tagline of this self-helpful podcast is to elevate your personal experience and the way you show up for others. And Jared actually coined that phrase. In this show, we dig further into aspects of what it means to be authentic. And he brings up the aspect of before we can show up authentically for others, we need to first show up authentically for ourselves. And many of us have never known our authentic selves, and we have work to do to discover who that is. So we cover a primary way to start 
finding your authentic self that you can begin today. And hey, friends, you can now watch this full episode on YouTube. Just search for Self Helpful with Kevin Miller. Well, brother, the thing I was interested in, I mean, a lot of things with Christina was the relevance of her being, you know, last two decades being awash in personal development or as Mind Valley talks about personal transformation. That's their big, you know, thing. So she's uh, kind of like I've had the privilege of, you know, being able to talk and not just, you know, read a book or whatever, but to, to literally be in contact with so many people. And she's coming out of that with a, a personal transformation message with the book Flossom, but also this aspect of don't let the pursuit of success blind you to a life of true happiness and self-love. And she also mentions you know, the dark side of personal growth and how it can feed our insecurities. And what I'm playing with, I always have been, but she kind of you know helped bring it to light, was that balance between saying, okay, I'm okay with me. I'm at peace with me right now. You know, I don't have to burn myself out and kill myself to strive to, you know, get better and fix everything every day. And it kind of, I find people, you know, some degree want to be at peace. Can I be okay now? And yet over here, uh, anybody listen to the show and you and I included and Christina included also, we do want to, what's a bet, what, you know, like what's a better word? We want to get better. We want to improve. And I, I was thinking this morning, we want to evolve. I mean, who doesn't want to evolve? Who wants to go come and say, you know what? I'm done. I'm good. Kind of reach my plateau. Uh, I'm kosher. I mean, I, I want to evolve forever, but can I have that pursuit, that desire and also chill out and be okay with who I am today? I think those are easy to say, but I don't see a lot of us walking it out well, it seems to be a often a polarized position to some degree. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and I think there take it take it back a couple steps, maybe. Um, okay. There's a we talk about authenticity. I think there's we, we. I think most people have the immediate kind of knee jerk reaction of, uh, you know, oh well, that doesn't mean you should be a jerk or whatever, and because it, it sort of leans in that direction. Uh, or, or, and I think that's a colloquial thing. That's a cultural thing that we've developed. Authenticity doesn't mean just spew out whatever comes to your mind, you know, in, in, that, in that way. Authenticity to me, to me, I believe, and a lot of what uh, Christina talks about is the uh, maybe coming back or, or operating from your truest design. How are we created? You know, were we created to hate ourselves? I don't think so. Were we created to love ourselves? Yes. So that's being authentic. Loving myself is being authentic. Uh, I feel that in many times in my past, I've been out of my own authenticity because I loathed myself or, or various yeah. degrees of that. And I felt like that's not actually being authentic. I don't believe that I was designed to, to feel that way or treat myself that way. And then there's you, you, the two of you talked about this in the, in the first episode, I think about how, um, uh, where there's a, you, you have this uh, journey that you're on mm -hmm. and I think we can begrudgingly be on the journey 
or we can lovingly be on the journey. We can love the journey that we are on. We can appreciate the journey. She mentioned that quote, I can't remember it now, but something about, you know, even when you're on the wrong path, you can enjoy the scenery or whatever. Um, and, and I think that's, oh man, it's vitally important, I think for happy life, but also just for authenticity to say, like, am I, I think in each moment when I'm asking, checking my authenticity, I'm, I'm saying, was I designed to respond this way? <laughs> because if, if, if so, then that seems authentic. And if not, it doesn't. So I believe that we were innately designed to love ourselves, to love others, to be empathetic, to be compassionate, not just to others, but to ourselves. And so, yeah. and so when I, you know, if I want to self-analyze and say, you know, am I, am I in my own authenticity? Am I being authentic? I think that I have to gauge that according to those elements. Am I operating in my truest design? You know, and, and what do I believe that to be? So I feel that self-love is, is authentic. <laughs> uh, kindness towards myself, towards others yeah. is authentic. Uh, and, I, and I think that's, that's an important part to kind of lock in as we have discussions about authenticity. But what, what does authenticity actually mean? Well, yeah. Okay. So you brought up three points there that I care about. So point number one, the aspect of being authentic. Yeah, I, I again think that we as a culture, our, I experience a struggle with what being authentic really looks like. And it, I experience it with myself sometimes. And then I do in the culture because, yeah, I think a lot of times it's like, can I just be me? Raw, kind of raw and unfiltered. Can I just oh, let my hair down and kick off my shoes and, and, and be me? Yeah, maybe with your best close intimate friend or your spouse or something, maybe, but even then they still don't want you to be a jerk or to just be disrespectful or to just spew constantly, you know, whatever. So then it's kind of that question of who are you raw and unfiltered? You know, it's kind of like that thing of, uh, you know, I was with Zig Ziglar at the end of his life when he had some cognitive decline and he would repeat himself uh, over and over. So he was, yeah, kind of just raw and unfiltered. And he was like the sweetest thing you've ever experienced. Now we have a lot of people in the nursing homes these days who are raw and unfiltered and it's vile. Did you do not want to go near that because all their walls are down and they're just spewing horrificness. And I want to, that is actually scary to me, kind of convicting, like, okay, if I, how's my spirit today or in general, because if something happened to me, am I going to end up in the hospital? And now we see the real Kevin and that's just nasty. I mean, he's got some just uh, gunk coming out or, or is it going to be like Zig Ziglar? And if I may know his true nature is just solid gold. So, you know, so being that raw or unfiltered, so that there's, so that's one aspect of being raw and unfiltered, but then also being, if I'm going to be with you, I'm still going to be paying attention to you. I'm still going to be cognizant of you and, and striving to be respectful to you and, who I know you to be. And I may not be, you know, with every person the way I'm going to be with someone else, uh, kind of going to that friends type thing. You know, we did the show recently with, um, Laura Tremaine and her book, uh, life council about having different friends and not looking at all of them to fulfill everything. There are some friends where I'm not going to go off and share, you know, business ideas and stuff. That's not their gig. 
they're more likely to talk about, you know, fun events around town and friends and whatever. And, and that's them. So am I just going to be the same me with every person? If so, I'm going to really limit the people I'm with. So, you know, kind of that being raw and unfiltered and yet also being tactful and respectful and socially aware. Can you do both of those? I think you can. Um, as opposed to, you know, getting in a social group and being something you're totally not. Uh, you know, just acting and performing. And that's kind of the rub that people feel. How can I be authentically me, not acting and performing, but still, I don't know a better word. I, I tend to want to say catering to others, you know, how to win friends and influence people kind of thing, being socially aware and kind of ebbing and flowing with who you are to match them to a degree. Now, okay. So that's a good point. Um, okay. I, I was just <laughs> typing a note out thinking about this, saying that, you know, is being, is sharing your truth. I think, I think maybe we get sharing our truth and sharing our judgment confused at times, uh, because we have a certain opinion about something. It's not often that, you know, you, you point something out and say, you know, that shirt is red and, and that's offensive. It's potentially your judgment about your shirt, that shirt being red that you convey that causes the offense. Oh, so you decided to wear a red shirt today, huh? Exactly. It's in the way you say it. It's in the delivery. Uh, well, and, and more importantly, it's in the kind of the spirit behind it. Like what, what do you, oh, so, you like, so you're wearing the red shirt and not the purple shirt that I got you. For yeah, Christmas. exactly. I, I, I hear there's, you. there's a layer of judgment there. <laughs> um, so and the, and the other question is, you know, what is, are we really wanting to be, are we really going after being uninhibited rather than unfiltered? Because the, the last thing that you were just saying was about kind of accommodating the person that we're in front of and their feelings and their world and their worldview and things like that. And I think, you know, I, I've, we've had this discussion a lot about kind of being a, a shapeshifter, you know, and, and being a, a chameleon when needed or whatever. And I, you know, we have, we can go pros and cons positive and negative on that one. But I think it is when I'm with our mother, <laughs> you know, I act a certain way and I act very differently when I'm hanging out with, you know, one of the boys or something like that, or I shouldn't say very differently, but I act somewhat differently there. What I've done is I've adapted the way that I show up according to that person and the, and the kind of the space that we hold together that feels very authentic. And then when I go over and I do the same thing in another area that looks, it feels a little bit different to someone from the outside. I don't feel that that's any less authentic. It's just another facet of me and that's okay. And I, I think we, we sort of beat ourselves up for being a chameleon or a shapeshifter or whatever we're going to call it. Um, and having kind of what, what appears to be to others, maybe different personalities. And I feel like, no, that's just a, you're getting various aspects of my grand personality. You know, it's, it, it, we're all complex people. We have lots of facets about us if we'll allow that. And, and I think that when I see, especially a man that is, uh, maybe operating in what I would call the divine masculine, meaning masculine, uh, but also incorporating, you know, feminine elements and that, uh, ability to cry with your daughter you know, or your son, or to hold them in compassion in a moment when you could have just been judgmental or something. Uh, and then also, you know, whatever, chop some wood or whatever it is, the manly thing. Oh. Um, like to do both of those 
that doesn't seem incongruent. That seems perfectly authentic for a complex human being to operate in all those ways. And I think we need to learn to embrace that more rather than condemn it or try to change it. Okay. That's interesting because you talked about being a shapeshifter or a chameleon or whatnot. And I've always valued that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but if it goes, I know you have, and I, but if it goes into being disingenuous, so yeah, that would, that's where we're going to fall in. But it also brings in, when you said that, it also brings in what's your relationship goals. So if I'm at some, you know, networking event that I don't actually go to, but you know, I, I know I was at an event, you know, where I spoke recently and you're with people yeah. and you end up with a group of people and maybe they're talking about something that's not your gig. You know, they're talking about real estate investing or something like that. I, do, I don't invest in real estate and, and, and they're talking that. So for me to go in there and go, no, you know what? I actually think that's stupid guys. I have no desire to talk about something like that. That's so shallow and blah, blah, blah. You know, I go on like that. It's not what I think, but if I, if I was that, that's the, cause that's the authentic me. Well, you're just being a, then don't be there. And if you're going to be there, can you find a place to relate to? That's not uh, yeah. I, I would question if that is the authentic you, or if that is now, now we're getting more into the discussion about what Carl Jung would look at as the uh, the 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 collect part of the collective unconscious, and that's the unconsciousness that we're tapping into, and we're we're experiencing that uh, unconscious thought. It's like when you have that thought about like you know somebody cuts you off on the road, and and you're and you've that, that flash goes through your head like oh my god I'm gonna you know beat that guy or what even though you know you're not gonna do that like you wouldn't do that <laughs> like right. or at least we wouldn't I know. Um, but you have that that thought, and sometimes I, I'll have in the past I'd have a thought like that, and I'd go, "Oh my God, I'm a terrible human." And then I remember, well, actually through a lot of study, <laughs> discovered, oh no, that's not that. That's just like a, an unconscious thought hanging out there in the ether. And I I had that, and and but I didn't act on that. I didn't do anything about that. I didn't even hold on to it. I didn't play with it, the thought or whatever. I immediately went, "Oh, that's scary. I don't want that in my mind," and I pushed it out. So I think it's similar. We, when we have a, a, a response coming towards someone, we can say, uh, you know, Hey, I think this, you know, this conversation is dumb and shallow. I get into that situation fairly frequently, like most times when I'm in public <laughs> and uh, you know, I don't get out much, but, uh, I, I talk to the trees, my kids, <laughs> yeah. but the, in, in those moments, a lot of times I will, it's authentic for me to not even engage in a moment like that. That's part of, because uh, it's, it's just not something that I feel I have to contribute to or maybe that I'm interested in hearing. However, in the instance that I get drawn into a conversation, I'll probably say something authentic. Like, I, I don't know, man, I don't have much to relate on here. Uh, this isn't re really my, my world or, or whatever. I totally appreciate that you guys are talking about it. You know, something like that, that would be very authentic for me. That's an authentic response. But for me to say that the little blip of the thought that came in at one point with me going, oh my God, this is a stupid, shallow conversation. I'm totally not getting into that. <laughs> I don't say that because that doesn't feel authentic. That feels unconscious. Well, and it feels like it's, what's it serve? Like, what, what would that serve? I mean, if so, if you're in that group, then leave. Uh, you know, if you can't be in there or right. find, a, or find a connecting point. But I, I, you know, there are sometimes, so we had Vienna, Vienna Farron on the show and her book is the origins of you. And she talks about that from childhood, we will naturally as humans choose attachment over authenticity. 
on the playground, on the whatever that generally we're going to, we just, we want to belong. We want to attach to people and we'll choose attachment over authenticity to our uh, demise, you know? And so she's, you know, she's talking about that and say, we got to watch out because in a, let's say that in a social group, in a family amongst friends with your coworkers, whatever, we're going to tend to choose attachment. And, and I think, gosh, I, I guess I got to find myself wanting to say, have some grace for that. We all want to belong. And if we can try to, you know, they're talking about sports and you're not involved in sports, but you try to find an attachment for it. Yeah. I watched a baseball game when I was a kid, you know, I mean, it's not, it's being authentic, but you, you know, you, you can't add a whole lot to the conversation as opposed to going into something disingenuous. And they're talking about, you know, how awesome Hitler was. And, you know, so if you go in the, yeah, man, he was, dude, he was driven. Kudos to Hitler. You know, I, I'm man, I'm going down a road that I just went off. I just, I just went off, uh, in, in a bad way there and being disingenuous myself. Now we're talking about these social things and now where it really hits the road here with this authenticity, I think is being, you know, in these intimate relationships. And I've had that. I mean, that's part of my story of even with my family, not being authentic and saying yes to everything, trying to be Superman, God, fixer, no limits, no excuses. I see you smiling because you did it too. And, uh, and that wasn't being authentic to me. I was going, you know what? I, I, I just, you need to be responsible for that yourself. Or I could help you with that, but it would be with a bitter heart right now. Uh, daddy needs a break actually. So no, I'm not going to get down and play Legos again or read that story or watch that animated movie or whatever and, and having some authenticity there and even more so with our spouse you know or our close friends the people that we're really, really ingrained with that's where it starts to get dicey and eat away at us at a deeper level and that's that's where i start really looking at okay how do i authentically be me and care and love for these people well yeah and it's very important to look at this from a relational standpoint as you're pointing out and i the you know, in a marriage, we are sort of indoctrinated in and, and made to believe that, you know, it's, the, you know, the, the, the saying where two become one, which I don't think did us any great service. I don't think did anybody any, that's, that's we're going to irritate some people, but yeah, I don't believe, I don't believe in that anymore. Where, well, well, hold on. I, I literally yeah, had this discussion a couple of days or no, it might've been on a show. And I said, I wish that they would, because uh, they did that. I mean, I, I think I, we, I had that in my marriage. Uh, us, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you got the two candles, you light those, and you come over, light one candle, and blow your candle out. That should be a red flag there, guys. Blow your candle. Are you serious? And I thought, how about if we just change it, take your candles, and go set them on the same table? Yeah, and, they have and let, two strong candles instead of two, two half candles. <laughs> we're on the same we just joined the same commune, you know, the same platform, whatever. And yeah. then we have a kid, let's place the kid's candle on that platform. Your yeah. kids, you're, you're, you know, are, you're on the Angaza platform. Like you guys have clay Gaza. you're on the Angaza yeah. and, and mine are over here on the, you know, the, the, the Miller table all together, but separate people. How great is that? As opposed to, yeah, well, there's some, we just irritated some people. I, hope, I, know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to get into that territory, but I, I do realize that, well, you know, in, in the grandest of relationships, you know, marriage or whatever in that regard, there is a tendency to feel that authenticity is, try, is trying my hardest to show up the way that my spouse wants me to, which is typically based on what we think and not yeah. actually correct anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And, and I, and I think, oh, I've got to be this authentic guy. And, and that authentic guy would show up in this way, you know, for my spouse or whatever. And I, you know, it wasn't until much later that both of us <laughs> realized, wait a minute, we we're operating with half a flame here. That's not authentic at all. <laughs> you know, if you want to use the flame discussion, uh, anyway, so it's very healing to come out of that, but the, I think again, we're, we're constantly coming back to what is authenticity. And, and I think a lot of times it's authenticity. People think it is either conforming to a particular thing that seems authentic or whatever, or it's just operating unconsciously in the unconscious of saying like, I don't know, it's like you got Tourette's or you just like blurting out whatever comes yeah. to you or whatever. I was like, like, you said uninhibited or something. Yeah. Well, it's uninhibited versus unfiltered. Uh, yeah. I don't, I think that filtering wisely is part of who we are. It's part of how we communicate well. Well, I wouldn't want anybody to know my thoughts because yeah, I have, I mean, we've been, we've all been exposed to all kinds of stuff. Those thoughts exist. So you can have some vile, horrific thought and I'll watch it float through my mind and just kind of watch it go by and go, holy smacks. I'm glad I'm not going to capture that one. Let's yeah. let that one just pass on. Just pass on through. Did you see the movie? I think it was called Uncharted with uh, the Superman, not Superman, Spider-Man kid. I think Tom Holland. I live high up in the Rocky Mountains where the air is clean and fresh as possible, but then I step indoors and I'm breathing in untold amounts of toxins and allergens from paint and carpet and cleaning chemicals and pets and furniture and appliances and mold and so on. Studies show the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air anywhere you are, and in some places it's a hundred times worse than that. Well, the solution is to get an air purifier, and Air Doctor is just the best out there. It filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen and pet dander and dust mites and mold and even bacteria and viruses so your lungs don't have to try to do that. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee so if you don't love it just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com. You can use the promo code Kevin and depending on the model you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get the special deal, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code Kevin. Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. Nobody knows it all on Yahoo Finance is a, an incredible resource for the rookies like me or the seasoned investors. You know, before my dad passed away recently, Dave Ramsey and his wife, Sharon, flew down to visit. We all got to spend a day together. And I was at yahoofinance.com just now. I saw multiple news flashes from Dave and other people that you respect. And they were hitting so many of the hottest areas in finance today. So it's a place to get a snapshot of all aspects of your financial interests. And if you have them, your portfolios. 
I hadn't realized Yahoo Finance is the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. So for your comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. One more time. YahooFinance.com. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top-tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. I think uh-huh. it, it was like on another planet and on that planet, anything that a man thinks shows up in like a thought bubble or something. I didn't weird. see it, but I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. It's something like that. That's, that'd be scary. <laughs> oh my God. For the love of God, please don't do that. So if that's what authentic is to you, please, please spare us um, that we have to, because yeah, we have, we have, you know, banal uh, off thoughts going on. Uh, and we need to filter ourselves. I'm trying to filter my own thoughts for my own self. So even more so to filter uh, out there, but not to be disingenuous. But there's something you said a second or when we started on, you know, being your truest design. And I actually had this question and I don't know, I actually didn't bring it up with Christina. It just didn't flow in there. But chapter one of her book says the path back to you. That's her, that's the, hold hold on there. Cause then you said, you know, coming to our truest design, I'm going to pose that a lot of people me included, and maybe all of us to some degree, we've never known our truest design. And, and any of the coming back, which there's a lot of therapists who do that with coming back to you, coming back to whatever. And I, I always question that, not to be contrarian or to diss the point of what they're making, but I think a lot of us, we've never known our true selves. We've never, we're trying to find who we are naturally outside of all the filter or not the filters outside of all the influences and the programming and and whatever they have. I have no idea who's the true, the true blue Kevin Miller. I don't know. I grew up like you did with this, with, we grew up with the parents we had. We didn't grow up with different parents. We grew up in the town that we did in the house that we did in the environment we did. We experienced, you know, a very white suburban up middle-class upbringing who would we have been? And that influences and programs us. I'm who would a little we have different been? on the, on the back end once we moved to Nashville, but yes, that's true. You uh, got a different, yeah, I, I, I was in the hoodie. I, uh, I grew up white as white can be, but 
You get my point, though, of a question that when we're trying to be authentic, I think a a lot of people are going to find themselves to a degree, maybe everyone to a degree of saying, I I don't know. I need to discover for the first time who my authentic self, what you said, my truest design is. Yeah, and that's a very good point. There's a, I mean, you know, I I operate in a lot of spaces where we're doing retreats and and doing uh, transformational healing kind of modalities, just to keep it simple. And um, the, in doing so, and even actually some of the spaces, like the physical locations that I've been part of, uh, and some of the ones I'm designing now, I often say, you know, this is a, this is a place to remember who you truly are. Now, when I say that, I'm saying that in a way that it could be remembering, you know, who you used to be and you're not that anymore. But in this kind of lifespan, it could be remembering who you truly are designed to be. And for many people, they've never experienced that. That's what I'm interested in. And I've said that a lot of times, even in our written literature to say, and, and you know, and, and perhaps this is the first time <laughs> for you that you've been able to experience your authentic, true self. I think that the majority of people do not experience that, have not had the privilege. I, of I think so too. And I, and I find myself wanting to just change, change it to discovering, discovering your true self for the first time. Sure. I, I think that's me. I mean, I think I'm continually and will forever be on the road now of trigger, of figuring out, divesting myself of the programming that I didn't a lot of it I didn't choose, or I, I, a lot of it we didn't choose. And I, I, it makes it sound all bad. I mean, obviously it wasn't. I'm, I'm so grateful. I have a list, man, there's so much I'm grateful for and was huge privilege and, and whatnot. But even that, some of it I embraced out of a performance aspect, you know, and wanting to appease and appeal to somebody. And I wasn't just, I wasn't true to me. I, I use the analogy of, you know, we grew up with a dad who was a car guy. And so for my early years, I was a car guy until I finally figured out I'm not a car guy. <laughs> but what do you know? You don't, that's just, you and want that's it. part you know, of us trying stuff on as humans, you know, and it's still, like, it's also hard to know who you are without trying a bunch of stuff on. You and I've talked about this a lot, just personally. And, you know, and I, I that, again, that interview that you did with me years ago, where I said I kept hurling myself into yeah. new experiences to find out who I truly am. Like to find, I went to Rwanda, you know, and lived in Rwanda. You know, the idea was it to be a short six months, ten. Obviously, that went ten years. But I, I, I went there to find out what was in me, like what's inside this this container. Like, what do I, what do I have in here? Because a new experience that's completely outside my world might help pull that out of me. I might see a new side of me in my response or reaction or whatever to life. And that certainly was true, but I, I feel like that was a, a self-discovery kind of moment for me, moment over a long period of time. That and you know, we, we don't, we, I think we just don't experience that of ourselves. We don't get to experience the depth of who we are without pushing, without challenging, without having a, a variety of different experiences and things like that. I think you could take the same person, you know, one, person one and person two. And this person goes out and has, you know, all kinds of cultural experiences around the world. And this one doesn't, but otherwise they're raised in the same family. They're going to have two very, very, very different people with different perspectives. And, and I think the one that goes out and has all the experiences is far more likely to understand their authentic design and who they truly are. Uh, 
and, and, and you know, ultimately more of what they actually truly want as a human. Like you didn't want to be a car guy because it just didn't fit you. Uh, yeah. You wanted other things. And so you had other experiences that led you to discovering those things and go, oh my God, I love this. I love being on a bicycle, you know, whatever it is. It's, I, I appreciate that to find your authentic self. If we were to put that and say, you need to expose yourself to more, expose yourself to, and it's interesting as you and I growing up in, you know, in the, in the South, um, and primarily in a small town. Now, yeah, you did get a taste of Nashville or, you, you know, big taste of Nashville later on of a bigger city, but still the South. And then it wasn't until we started traveling outside of that, that we found our, we found ourselves to a different degree. I came out to the Rocky Mountains and dude, I found myself. I even left, went I back went to the Smoky Mountains in Virginia. <laughs> the yeah. opposite directions. There you go. Well, there you go. And you're going to go for the hot and humid and I'm going to go for yeah. dry and cold and whatever. How cool though. And it, but it, without that exposure, we'd still be back in Kentucky or Tennessee, you know, whatever. And neither of those I, places are our home. I've been back to our hometown of Bowling Green there. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was like someone pushed the pause button. It's pretty much the same as it was when we left. I'm so grateful for all the experiences that we had, you know, wow. not to, not to diss Bowling Green, but I, I just, I'm so grateful for the experiences that we had, even in, you know, getting into Nashville in my particular case. And, and at that point you were off going around the world in a much broader experience, but it took us out of that small town and we were able to experience more. And those experiences drew more of us out of us. We were able to experience it for ourselves. I just want to take that point captive for this, for this episode that as, as all of us are seeking our authentic selves to a degree that without exposing ourselves to more, it's going to be hard. And, you know, I had to, I had this talks with somebody recently, we can, we can quote, you know, experience something through books or watch documentaries or, or do what, and that's better than nothing. So that's, that's a, that's a thing. Agreed. Agreed. But not it's not the same as, yeah, as enmeshing yourself. I mean, you went to Rwanda, I went to, you know, Europe and we, you know, I've been in, in Mexico and not that it has to be a different country. My gosh, I mean, one of the biggest, to, to one degree, an experience we were in, the, we lived in the Silicon Valley area for uh, a long summer, four months or so. And oh my gosh, being down there, literally in Silicon Valley. And I felt, I, I experienced something I've never felt or never experienced in my life since then. I felt like a minority. I mean, as, as a white guy literally was, it was uh, the area I was, it was a lot more, the majority was at an Asian influence. And I went in a lot of places and realized I'm, I'm like the only just plain old white bread dude here or very few of us. And I, that was like a, I didn't quite know how to function, which is a red flag yeah. as well. Yeah. But to find out. It is. Well, because like you didn't know that you didn't know that I until you were in that experience. When I was in you know, Congo, especially <laughs> it's like, I I'd see like five other, you know, white folks or whatever during the whole time I'd be there for a month at a time or whatever. I lived in Rwanda. So I'd go back and forth over the border and, you know, Rwanda was similar to that as well, but being a minority, you know, at least in that sense, from a racial standpoint, um, that what a wonderful experience for me as a, and, you know, to, to grow up or not, not to grow up, but, but to have that experience and discover another aspect of myself, a, another aspect that I did, I wasn't aware of. 
uh, maybe something that I wanted to attend to uh, personally, like, why is this thing showing up? And I can attend to it, but I didn't know it until it showed up and it wouldn't have showed up had I not had the experience. So maybe at this point in the game, we could make a discussion or an argument for the, the more you kind of throw yourself into having more experience in life, whatever it may be, um, the more likely you are to discover your authentic self and, and to be able to, to sort of dance with that. I think it is a, a dance. I, we, it's not just that all of a sudden there's a knowing, a grand knowing of all. I think we we just get to know ourselves. Like we get to know any other human being. I guess we're human beings too, right? We're just getting to know ourselves like everybody else. Well, and I want to I, I want to stay here because it's it's so relevant to, and it's not that everybody has to go to the Congo or to you know Silicon yeah. Valley or wherever. But if you're going to find your authentic self, you're going to have to find get exposed to some things. And what we're looking for is resonance. So I came out to the Rocky Mountains right. and dude, I hit my vibration and I couldn't get it out of my, I tried, I was, you know, left it for 10 years. And yeah. every, every year at some point, my wife would say, you're having your Colorado crisis. And I said, I, I just got to get I back. can attest to that as your brother. Cause I was like, that guy's got Colorado in his blood and ain't coming out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and who knows? Because I mean, I don't, I mean, you appreciate it out here, but this is not your, you know, this is not your gig, this arid high climate. No old our, our mom and dad don't like it i don't you know I, don't, I think our sisters it's not her they everybody appreciate it but it's not me it, and for me i don't know i don't have to justify it it just did i resonated with it It hit my energy level you're going to the congo or you know costa rica, costa rica. Or, i'm at yeah. home in 100 degree weather 100 percent humidity in the tropics with you know coconuts falling on my head I, most of the times when i point that out to someone I say, and my brother <laughs> is at home, is just as at home as I am here in a completely different environment on top of a mountain where it's dry and cold yeah. and, and whatever. And I was like, both of us thrive in those environments and somehow we came out of the same womb. <laughs> and, and, I, and I appreciate yours, but yeah, it's not my, yeah. my re resonance. So you could go through, I mean, oh gosh, here's a great exercise. Somebody could go to um, the Ziggler Wheel of Life. Go type that in. There's lots of variations yeah. of that, but it's a good one. Ziggler has seven spokes and you'll hit relationships, spirituality, you know, money, job, whatever. Anyways, it'll hit some key things, not all of them. But to look at that and think about the categories of experience you could have, you know, so let's talk about money. Go, go experience poverty. Um, go experience, you know, some different middle class, upper middle class, lower middle class, you know, do, do that. And then go check out the, rich and the wealthy and whatever, and, and, and see what resonates, what doesn't. I mean, most mm -hmm. people don't ever get that chance. Might as well do that and find that. And you might find out might, might, there could be freedom on both sides. Somebody who is living in, you know, high society who realizes it's wearing them out and the stuff that they own owns them and they want to divest themselves and, mm -hmm. and, and kind of go live a simple life. That's awesome. Or you might find somebody who's always been limited, who goes over and goes, you know what? I, I want a good job. I want to be a doctor. I want to do something uh, that has a higher income potential. And I just, I long for a nice spacious house where I don't have to fix something all the time and where I just feel yeah. the freedom of that. That's beautiful. That's awesome. Yep. No, like back to what you said. Uh, what did you say? Not, ju uh, not judgment. We were, we had, you had another word you were using, but we're not judging it. We're, well, that's uh, the point. It, it, Right. It's, it's to, I forget now too, but I was just saying that there's a difference between, oh, offering our truth about something versus offering our judgment about yeah. something. Um, yeah. That was the red shirt comment, I think. Uh, 
and, and we can be, yeah, I think we have to delineate and that's part of putting on, I don't know, again, it, it, it's, I don't feel that the unfiltered me is the authentic me. It's, I feel like it's the unconscious me. I hadn't thought about this until we started talking about it, but now I'm, I'm going to hold on to that. It, it, it really does feel like a lot of people say, oh, even our mother, like mom, I know who's probably listening to this. <laughs> We've had some of the discussions like this. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not saying just to be unfiltered and, 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 and to let all the unconscious stuff spill out. I'm saying I want to be authentic. And I think the authentic me is loving and kind and compassionate towards myself and towards others and so on. And I would say the same of everyone else authentically, or maybe I should go back to saying our, our original design. I think we were all designed to operate that way, you know, and we're all in our own journeys of, again, sort of dancing with that and, and understanding what it means to us and, and, it, and the journey is different for everyone. Well, you got me thinking now just about values. Heck, that's what my book is found. You know, the foundation of, of what drives you is going through and figuring out, trying to free yourself from the exposure you've gotten, the programming you've gotten, the expectations that you've agreed to yeah. and saying, what do I authentically value? And to go back to that, it might be, I'm sorry, to the analogy of money, just to use a thing or, you know, money, wealth, possessions, whatnot, to realize, man, I just value simplicity and and less and whatever and get out of judgment i love that you brought that out because i think a lot of our attempts or efforts or desires to be authentic probably get skewed by judgment that we have if we could just let that go and go where do you feel at peace like res again resonate and you might feel at peace out you know with land and uh you know scarcity and sparseness and simplicity and whatever and you resonate with that, or you may, I've, I've, I've met multiple people who love, adore the hum of New York city. It just <laughs> brings them life. Yeah. You know, and to me, it's an anxiety, uh, cauldron, but it brings them life. They connect with people and, you know, there's probably some sentiment to it maybe, or, or, or whatever. I don't know. It just makes them resonate. So if we take the judgment out of it, there's land of opportunity, whatever, let's make a case for it. Take the judgment out. And what do you really resonate with? Now you talked about being kind and some of that, I, that's what brought me to thinking about values again, looking at what do you value? That's different than saying, what do I resonate? Do you resonate with kindness or unkindness? Well, let's, let's not use it there. What do you, but what do you value? You know, what are the values of, what would you say? You know, morals, character, character, I guess that character, would be another ethics, one. morals. Yeah. All that. And, and I think decided <clears throat> what? chosen. Well, which I could say you could, you could decide. I mean, you're going to choose. Okay. What? What do I want the authentic me to be to some degree? I'm <laughs> out loud. I know. Well, there's a yeah. lot. Okay. So let's back up. You uh, and I, we've, I think we've mentioned funny enough, multiple times, Josh Spodek, um, our, our yes. mutual friend now, uh, he's written quite a bit about living by your values. And he and I have had lots of discussion about this and, and we're, we're in agreement that it, it is, that living by your values, obviously we could say that is very authentic to do. I think a lot of people think I'm compromised in my situation, so I can't totally live by my values. That I don't buy. <laughs> um, that's probably an, a, a fodder for another podcast. But the 
I think we, <clears throat> if I'm going to live by my values, or if I'm going, sorry, if I'm going to be authentic, I have to live by the things that I value. And, and ultimately, you know, we, t we talk about on the, on the podcast, on this show, <clears throat> improving the way that we show up for others. Because I think that is a core desire of most people. We want to elevate our own experience and improve the way we show up for others. Well, if I want to improve the way I show up for others, I'm going to have to have this, this check on, <clears throat> excuse me, on my own authenticity, right? Like, how am I showing up for others? How am I showing up for myself? How am I showing up for others? It, it's a... Can I, can I, you, you just brought up yeah. a great point. Yeah. A, no, you brought up a... a significant point in authenticity. Okay. Here, here, I got, I got a story. Here's an example of it. So I'm at this event a couple weeks ago Yeah, and it kind of, or the day ended or, or whatever. And uh, a friend of mine who was there was, uh, she was over talking to this guy. And so I walked over there and this guy just has her captured in this conversation. And real quick, I can see that she's trying to be polite. And, and so, and then, but then all of a sudden I walk over this from now, he gets turned to me. Hey, what do you think about this? He's showing us this stuff on his screen and it's this business endeavor, whatever. And the guy's talking and, and later on in retrospect, we just, I, we did not understand what his, he was like, what was the point? And I was trying to, so I'm there. Is that, is that being inauthentic? Cause I don't know what he's talking about. I don't care. He's got us totally right. He's totally socially unaware. He, he has no, I, you know, he's not watching us. Why he's totally missing all of our cues that we're trying to be polite, but we're not in, invested in this. And yet, so is that being inauthentic? Because what you said, one of my values that is authentic to me is kindness is human kindness. So if it blesses this guy for us to try to be, I mean, I don't feel like I was being fake. I was trying to understand. I just didn't. And maybe I should have been authentic. Should I have said that? I, said, Dude, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I didn't, you know, it was going to end and we we're going to go our separate ways. So I decided this could be, this could be an old lady on an elevator talking to me about her poodle, which I'm just not that interested in, but I'm going to be kind. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't lambast her for not showing up well, <laughs> you know, like, like you might the business guy, <laughs> like, come on, okay. you think I'm really but, interested yeah, but kindness, yeah. you know, it is part of our values and how we want to show up. There's lots of different facets that we could get into in terms of, you know, ways that that could have played out in that particular scenario that you just said with that guy. But one, one of them could be that the two of you were simply kind to him and, and you know, and made, on, made, made your way out of the conversation at some point, but you were simply kind to him. And, and maybe he was new at the game. Obviously, he's not very good at reading other people. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, there could be a scenario where you kindly offer that to him. Maybe, you know, later on or in another conversation, like, hey, I just noticed you didn't really tune in to us. And I just want to give you that as a gift. Maybe you could do that. And that's authentic. Maybe you were just kind to the guy in the moment. And it's one of his first gigs or whatever. And, and he's trying to get out there, whatever. And the reception of kindness that he got from you inspired him to go to the next person that really cared what he was talking about. And he did that much better because of the interaction that he had with you. Even though it wasn't really real with you, you were authentically that, kind to him. That's the, and that's the question. And yeah, maybe there is a place that we have to discern by being aware of what would be best in that situation. So would it have been best for me to try to offer him some insight of my, you know, my brother, you're just, you're totally missing out on what's happening here. Or 
do I realize this is going to be a brief one-time conversation with somebody I'll probably never see again? And do I do my best to try to lift him and say, you know what, gosh, man, some of that I don't understand, but what I see looks really brilliant. And Matt, congratulations on getting this opportunity. It was, it was an opportunity. Congratulations. It looks, it looks incredible. I actually have a hair appointment to get to right now, but I'll catch you later and leave him feeling like, Hey, I, I paid attention. I listened, I cared and I lifted him up and he feels good about himself. Is that inauthentic? I, I don't think it is to my value of trying to be kind and to lift people and trying to discern what's best and relevant in the situation. is the key there. You're discerning yeah. in a moment. It's not like you're going to spend your whole life showing up that way. And if you did, that would be inauthentic. Now, if I'm stuck in the elevator with a guy for the next day or so, at some point, I'm going to go, dude, my, if hey, we're going to- By the way, <laughs> you might want to read the room a little bit better. <laughs> stay connected. If this is going to go on, I'm going to come to my end and I might behead you. So let's- Well, hey, that's a great point now that, now that I'm thinking about it because <clears throat> in that instance, let's just play it forward as, as, uh, yeah. you know, in, in the scenario, you run into the guy in the ele elevator. Oh, hey, you, you kind of both recognize that you had a, the encounter the day before. Um, you know, maybe he's inclined to go back in and try again or whatever. He would have, I guarantee it. So yeah. <laughs> probably right. But at that point, in that kind of a setting, and let's say ideally it's just the two of you in the elevator. Yeah. At that point, you might have a, a, a minute to say, hey, bro, I totally respect what you're doing. I get it. I've been there too. I'm doing it in other facets in my own way. Um, it, it was, I felt like maybe you didn't read the room real well with, with the two of us. Or whatever. And then maybe you have a conversation, whatever it may be. We don't have to get yeah. too hypothetical, you know, down the rabbit hole. But, and that could be a moment that you have together and, and, you know, to, and that's authentic. But if you say, you know, coming off and saying, Hey, uh, maybe you could connect a little bit more to the people that you're talking to be more empathetic, uh, understand more from, you know, from their side of things before you just start blather, you know, blabbing out all the things um contra, you know on the other side of that you you could just lambast the guy hey how dare you get in my face with some sales thing i clearly don't care about blah 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 i feel like that could be more of the unconscious response but instead you're being more authentic by saying hey man i care enough to share this with you because i'm a caring guy authentically that's who i am that's it's what i do it's how i show up i'm authentic um, anyway, that, I, no, I want to, I want to go there. I want to go there because again, we, to go back to where we started this, this aspect of authenticity, which was the point of Christina's, you know, book, uh, a primary aspect of it is we started off talking about our, us personally, us individuals, that if we were to come back and rephrase and, and phrase it, it would be figuring out how to show up for yourself. Who are you? So to Jared's words, how to show up for yourself. We're trying to figure that out. And you may need to go expose yourself to some things. You may need to find your authenticity for the first time. Or if you're fortunate enough, you may have some authenticity that you used to be that you've fallen away from that you can now come back to. So that's it. Then now we've gravitated into now, how do we want to show up for others that is authentic, but is also, and this is the word I'm not sure, because I want to say tactful, like going to my my example with this guy, because how often am I, even today, 
uh, most weekends, like this last weekend, there were, I can't remember, 12 people at the house, kids, significant others, whatever. And there's conversations happening. And I'm hearing a lot of conversations. If I just, if I chimed in on what I thought, what was authentic to me with every conversation, it would have been cataclysmic. Um, you know, cause there's just stuff going on. What? And it's yeah. almost like pick your battles or as, as our parents would say, uh, I think mom, especially major on the majors, not on the minors. Right. You know, and so kind of picking your battles, uh, not that they're all battles, but picking, you know, where am I, am I going to be authentic? So I'm not going to enter into something again, being disingenuous, but yeah, I'm not just going to go lambast everything to, Hey, here's my, I'm just being authentic, man. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, or what's up? What's everybody's blah, 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 blah. I'm just saying what maybe yeah. you shouldn't have. If you got to add that to it, don't, yeah. don't if, offer it with what's the point? What is the value you're trying to bring? What's the value you back to what you say and what you coined for the tagline to this show, you know, elevate our personal experience and the way we show up for others. And to do that, we've got to be, we got to know what our own, what we're showing up for, for ourselves and then how to show up. And I think that there is tact with that. And sometimes shutting your mouth is not being inauthentic. It's being respectful and kind back to the kindness. Or speaking up might be kind. For me, I have a hard time sometimes in kind of speaking up to say what would really probably be helpful. And I don't want to go there. I don't want conflict. I don't want whatever. And I'm probably violating my own desire to be kind. And I'm not by shutting my mouth. I got to typically know you'll feel it. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And That's then and you'll have that feeling later, probably too. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I walk away and go, yeah, I wasn't kind. I was a coward. True mm -hmm. story. We're back to discernment on that one. But I do like the yeah, show. I, well, there's a point here that's worth talking about too. That, and, and it's, you've heard me talk about this plenty of times and certainly in our brand work together. Uh, and a question that I am constantly asking myself and in every moment, I actually, I, I was just, I was pausing because I was like, what well, did I just write? I literally wrote this on website for Hope Guide last night. Um, what are you committed to cause? I asked myself that in every situation on the grand scheme of things, you know, when I'm planning out my whole world, what are you committed to cause, Jared? And then in the moment, when I walk into a room, when I walk into a meeting, when I walk into, to, you know, when my kids come up to me or whatever it is. Uh, and I think in this moment, Jared, what are you committed to cause? And I feel like what that's doing is it's allowing me to pause in that moment and, and connect with my truest, highest, authentic self. And, and I, I do believe maybe that's another thing that I hadn't thought about before is that I don't think a lot of people equate their authentic self with their highest self, their best self. I think a lot of people tend to be self-deprecating in that arena 
and think, oh, my, my authentic self isn't something I necessarily want to share. I want to like, I want to fix it up before I get it out there. It's like putting mom, putting her face on, you know, before she goes out in public. <laughs> <laughs> that's what she always says. Um, but that, that's the, you know, it, but I, I think that the way that I want to show up for others, which is connected to what am I committed to cause, which is sort of where it starts from. I think I want to craft that. I want to show up in a certain way, not that's inauthentic, but that is the most authentic, but I still need to craft it a bit because I don't always, I show up unconsciously sometimes. I don't want to do that with my kids, with, you know, loved ones of any kind, whatever. I, I want to be, so I think sometimes the more ethereal things are better. An example, uh, when I, you know, I want to show up in a certain way for our mother. Mom's getting a lot of airtime on this show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to show up in a certain way for her because she's such a kind and gentle and wonderful human. And I find that when I'm around her, I'm more like that. And I think that's in me. If, if not genetically, then at least, I mean, I feel like it's in me and, and it's, uh, I value that. I value what mom brings out of us and that out of me in that regard. Um, and, and I value, uh, so, so what I'm doing there is I'm going into a situation, I'm adapting a little bit to be, to, you know, to, to be conscious of the way that I show up for another person in this case, mom. Um, and someone could look at that and say, isn't that being inauthentic? And I'd say, no, it's being, uh, it's me being more of who I'm actually designed to be. And, I, and I'm being more cognizant of it when I'm with my mother because she brings that out of me. And I want to spend more time around her because of that even. And I, I could say that, you know, about other, other folks as well. And just to say that the way that I show up for others, I am thinking about what am I committed to cause when I enter this room? What kind of energy do I want to bring up in that room? Do I want to be positive? Do I want to be negative? You know, all that kind of stuff. Okay, I'll call you out on this. Not call you out. I'll I'll honor you. Actually, oh, uh, different. <laughs> yeah, I'll honor you. I'm going to call you out in an honorable way. So we had Lynn Twist on the show, uh, yes. who, I, who I was not aware of, and of course you filled me in that I've been following her forever, and she's one of the I most, fell out of my chair when you said you were interviewing her. I was like, oh my god, one of my heroes, <laughs> one of the most renowned humanitarians and whatever. So Lynn Twist. So this wasn't even her her topic. I mean, her book is on you know, purpose and, and whatnot, or her latest book. And yet in the discussion, somewhere it came around and she said, people that you lead with your mood, that people can, I, I need to go back because I'm, par I'm paraphrasing, but that, you know, in, in a sense, our, you know, people can smell your mood a mile away. And For she sure. used that. And I actually questioned, I came back and said, mood. I said, I said I'm, I'm, I'm curious that you use the word mood, I would have thought like your attitude or whatever. She said, no, I think it's different. Your mood is kind of the, she didn't say it this way, I don't think, but kind of the energy that you're exuding. I was gonna say the same, yeah. It's, okay. it's, yeah, exuding, it's a, what is coming out of you? What's pouring out of you? That's gonna okay. be what we could sort of deduce to being your mood. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's put that into you pulling up in the driveway to see your kids, okay? You've been right. gone for the day or whatever and you pull up and your mood and your energy is complete pile of dung uh, <laughs> because of whatever happened. Yeah. So do you just say, well, hey man, this is the authentic me. But is it, is that, I mean, you could say it's authentically how I feel right now, but you could also then, you know, transport yourself, go spend a minute with mom 
and ah, uh, you know, I feel better. And now is the authentic, oh, it's the authentic you just changed really, you know, within a matter of minutes. And now it's, you know, happy, go lucky, positive dad. Well, that's just, now we're coming back to the kind of an, I was thinking when you were talking about my intentionality, you know, the, who's the authentic me, my moods may not be, those are just the feelings, kind of like what we're talking about, the thoughts flying through and somebody cut me off in traffic, you know, whatever. And my mood's crappy right now. Well, that's just, but who is, who is me? Who's the authentic me? I, I am a kind person or, you know, I think I'm a kind person. I'm a thoughtful person. And in regards to how I'm going to walk in with my kids, man, I'm going to take a minute, take a deep breath, do some box breathing, put on some good music, uh, call mom, you know, whatever it may be and, and come in to them with what you just said, my higher self. Is that what you said a minute ago? Yeah. My, my yeah. best self. And that is authentic. Cause when you said that, I wondered if we can tend to think about now who I am is just kind of the dung Kevin, you know, in general, my highest self is just who I have to pump myself up and perform to be that's, we're missing it there. But I think that that's a, a perspective that we often have. If I'm intentional and aware of myself, understand what my values are, and I can take a moment and center myself and come out as the best version, that's authentic. For sure. And it doesn't, it's some of it's just an acknowledgement and a recognition of a feeling as well. And I had a moment with, I can't remember if I shared this with you or not, uh, it just personally, but the, it was a few weeks ago. And as you know, most every weekend I'm out hiking with the kids and we went, I think we had skipped one week or whatever. And I had had a heck of a week anyway, and I was ready to get on the trail <laughs> and we went off and in this particular cl climb starts off with an 1800 foot <laughs> ascent. Um, and it's, it's about seven and a half miles or so, which is not our longest hike, but with the ascent, it's pretty intense. I have two eight-year-olds and an and a, uh, 11-year-old for those listening. And we went off on this hike and a, a just, I don't know, maybe 25, 30 minutes into it, Taya says, I can't do it. And I was like, this is the, her entire life. This has never happened. <laughs> She's usually the one out in front. And I thought, the first thing was like, oh my God, you're not taking this hike away from me. Daddy needs this hike. <laughs> and there's a reservoir on the, you know, at the end of it that I was excited to see that we hadn't seen yet. Long story short, I got, uh, I was dealing with a whole bunch of other stuff that I was super frustrated about that I didn't have anything to do with that moment. And I knew it. And it was, it was like a lot of things had culminated and I was, I was feeling my, I was about to have a moment <laughs> and I'm there with my kids. And I said, and I think I, I literally put my hands up in the air and everything. And I said, kids, I am frustrated <laughs> and I am angry and it's not at you. And I want you to know that. And I had a real authentic moment with those kids. I mean, I always do, as you know, but I felt grateful that I was able to do it in like that later on after kind of looking back at it and analyzing it. But I said in the moment, I said specifically to Sarah, my 11 year old, I was like, baby, I, I am, I am really angry right now. And I'm, I, I already realized that it's not coming from this moment. I'm angry about other stuff and frustrated about other stuff. And this moment is making it all come out of me. Hmm. And, 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 it, and you don't deserve that. None of you guys deserve that. 
this is a moment when I would tell you to choose to be kind and choose to find joy. And in most cases, choose to find gratitude. Anytime I'm afraid of something like going up on the stage to speak, I think of something I'm super grateful for, which by the way, is usually my kids. Uh, so I, I think about those things. It's hard to be grateful and fearful at the same time. So I, I said these things to her at the, uh, to all my kids at the time and just said, I know that this is the moment when I can choose to shift my energy and to be uh, kind and, and, and compassionate in this moment. And I'm just angry. And I, and, I, and I said that I want you guys to understand that that's what's coming out of me right now. And, and it doesn't have anything to do with you. And I love you all so much. Let's go back down the hill and we'll go swim in the river instead. And we did. And it was one of the greatest uh, hiking experiences, I think, for the kids, not necessarily for me, <laughs> but for the kids, yeah. because they loved it going uh, in the river like that, which we hadn't done in that particular spot. And then we turned it into something beautiful. Since then, Sersha has talked to me a few times about my little speech <laughs> and said that she could relate. Sometimes, Daddy, you know, I, I want to get rid of my anger in the moment, and I just can't. I said, that's okay. And sometimes it's even better if you even just talk to me about it. Say, Daddy, I, I want to get rid of this, but I can't. That's authentic. That's an authentic moment. And I feel like there was nothing there that was fake, that was positioning, that was even necessarily buffering. I mean, I, I probably thought terrible things that I didn't say, and that was buffering. But I, I was able to be what felt very authentic with my kids and just say, hey, guys, I'm feeling this and knowing that I should be acting differently, and I can't quite get there right now. Can you bear with me for just a moment as we hike down the hill and I kind of get myself back? It's a beautiful story, and I do want people to hear a quote that you said, it's hard to be grateful and fearful at the same time. Just set that one off. It's hard to be grateful and fearful at the same time. That'd be a great one for us all to have as a tattoo or put that on your rear view mirror or whatever when you know you're feeling fearful. You probably say it about angry or whatever, being gratitude. It's hard to have any negative feeling. So hear that. But back to your point. I use that that tool a lot. It's it's that's a good tattoo. Um <laughs> what you said requires emotional intelligence. And that is curious to me because well one because that's not my most intelligent area personally. I'm working on that one. And that's relevant because on the other side of that, without that emotional intelligence is me performing. It's me gritting my teeth right. with willpower and knowing that I, I being aware that I, I, I'm not, ha I'm not good, but I'm just going to soldier on anyways. And that wears me out. And that's what causes bitterness and burnout and things like that. And, and if you're, happen to be me, Kevin Miller, it avoids to avoidance. Then I'm just, I'm just out. And if I don't have the emotional intelligence to speak as you did to your kids and admit uh, an authentic feeling that wasn't just spewing crap on them, it was just owning it. You took responsibility, you owned it. They saw that there was no threat in that for them. How beautiful is that? Uh, and if you weren't able to do that, you would have either one just blown up and harmed them yeah, I felt that coming. And, and I was like, Oh, that's not me. That's that's a little devil inside me. That's not me. I, I, I need to connect with my authentic self and not just blurt out some dumb stuff coming to my mind right now. Well, okay, that's beautiful. Because on the other side, I would have tended to just perform with 
possibly with gritted teeth. Maybe if I was doing really good, it wasn't with gritted teeth, but it's taking a toll on me. And ultimately they feel that go back to the energy, the yeah. mood. They're feeling that the daddy is soldiering on, but they can feel the mood. Oh, and they're that's, the, that's the main thing, by the way, that's the thing that pushed me into this response, intentional response, not emotional reaction, but intentional response is the fact that I've already just kind of like thrown my hands up and gone, all right, I already know that no matter what it is I try to sell to my kids, they are extremely intuitive. I talk to them about listening to their intuition all the time. Like yeah. my eight-year-olds can give you a speech on intuition. Um, they pick up on the energy and then Sarah's like a little energy meter. You know, she knows what's going on. She feels it and whatever. And I'm like, I'm telling that kid a story every time I do that and grit my teeth and try to put on a performance in front of them and they know better. What if I just said how I was actually feeling, which is what I did in that particular instance. And that's not an isolated incident. I, I do that often, but that was a pretty exaggerated moment. Like that was a pretty intense moment of it where I, I really felt like at that time I had a hard time even trying to uh, act my way through it, you know, to grit my teeth and just get through it and put on a happy face. And the moment I just felt like I can't do it. I'm at a really tough moment at the time and I thought, well, why not just be authentic and say exactly what I'm thinking? And that takes some, we could call it emotional intelligence. Some of it's just awareness. I'm working on the intelligence part now, but I'm pretty aware uh, of, of my, and, and you know me, I've always been very emotional and emotionally driven and, and so on. Uh, and emotions are very, very vitally important to our, our well-being. They're, you know, little indicators and red flags and, and, and little prods and things like that. We should listen to them. They're, they're great um, informants, terrible masters, <laughs> uh, I, I've realized. Uh, but, but great informants are feelings, and they're very important for us to tune into and, and certainly not to squelch um, any of that, uh, you know, the negative feelings even, but rather to, to listen to them, to allow them to teach us and to move us and to guide us as well. I'm just going to keep doing, you're just ending on quotes here. Uh, <laughs> emotional response versus intentional reaction. That's everybody, what I talk about a lot. Yeah. Everybody can note that one. And then what you just said, feelings are great informants, terrible masters. That was the focus of a recent book. I mean, our, our feelings are, uh, it was, it hasn't published yet, but it's, it's Brit Frank. And her book is The Science of Stuck. That's coming out from uh, uh, us here on the show soon. And she talks about that in essence, that, you know, our feeling, it's our dashboard. I mean, that's, it's like to ignore our feelings, to ignore that dashboard is like ignoring the check engine light. I told her about an old car that I had, old truck, I think at some point, and the the stupid, it had a really obnoxious check engine light that was never gonna go off. So I just put some electrical tape over it. <laughs> that's, that's not helping the problem. Uh, yeah. So she said, those are, does, does a car doing, it's the car saying, it's, you got a problem, you better do something about that or it's got, so pay attention. But a terrible master uh, is a great line. Man, we brought out just, this is a great discussion, brother. Uh, pulled out some great things that has me thinking about my own efforts, desire, intentionality to be authentic. Um, we rounded it out really well. I think it helped me. I hope it helped everybody else. I mean, it, uh, these conversations are always so inspiring for me too, because it, it reminds me I'm coming here with you 
to remember who I am. Hmm. That's a good thing. That's a, everybody invite them to self come listen to self helpful and remember who you are. That would be a great testimony. I hope that we have helped you remember who you are, who you want to be. It has for me today as well, brother. Thanks. Thank you, brother. So that was part three of my series on Christina Mand Lacchiani, co-founder of Mind Valley and author of this book, Becoming Flossom, The Key to Living an Imperfectly Authentic Life. Coming up next, I'll have a highlight reel, in essence, of what I'm working on and pondering as a result of this topic of authenticity. Uh, thanks to my brother, Jared Angaza, for joining me here in this show to shed some bright light on the topic of authenticity. You can find him at jaredangaza.com. Friends, thank you for tuning into Self Helpful, where I curate the sea of new personal development materials and help you integrate wisdom into your life because we all want to elevate our own experience and improve the way we show up for others. 